In case we have not made it clear with these intro videos, do not try anything that you've seen in these videos. Our legal team has advised us to make that clear. Don't try anything you've seen in these videos. Great to see you. I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, how many of you parents, <clears throat> you've asked your kids to do something and uh, they, they halfway did it, like they almost did it. They didn't quite do what you asked. They did enough to say that they did it, but it really wasn't enough. Ever ask your kid to clean their room? And uh, you go in, and everything's off the floor, and then you realize they've pushed it all up under the bed so that you can't see it. Or they've thrown it all in the closet and closed it really fast uh, before anything fell out. I ever ask a kid to, do, to load the dishwasher, and they don't rinse, and they don't organize, right? They just pile in and close it, and maybe they start it. And maybe they leave it for two weeks to uh, become hardened concrete on the plates. Uh, but they loaded the dishwasher, right? Uh, do your homework. And so they write answers down as fast as they can so that they can say, Yes, Dad, I did my homework. Uh, kids can be that way. And kids can be that way because we were that way one time, right? You, you did things sort of halfway at one point in your life, at least something, something you didn't really care a lot about. Uh, something you were frustrated, you'd been asked to do something, you didn't really want to do it to begin with, so you did the bare minimum. You did just enough to say that you did it, but you didn't really do it. You, you didn't do it the way you were supposed to. Uh, like that book report uh, that you kept putting off in high school, and you kept putting off until it was too late to read the book. And so you got the spark notes, but it was too late to read the spark notes. So you got the movie, but you had to fast forward the movie to the important parts or what you thought were the important parts. So you could write six pages really fast and print them out before daybreak and turn them in at the last minute. Nobody's ever done that before. But sometimes we do things halfway. We just kind of do them and check them off so we can say that we did them. Uh, we're in a series uh, about worship. Uh, we, we come today corporately, collectively to worship God. We, we can worship privately throughout the week. And uh, we've called it DIY because it's something you're supposed to do yourself. You're not supposed to leave it to the people on the platform or leave it to the band or leave it to the staff or leave it to people who have been Christians a long time. Worship is something we all do ourselves. We're all commanded to do. We, we worship the God who created everything, is above everything, is powerful and strong, ruling over everything, sustaining all of life right now. As a matter of fact, if He withdrew His sustaining power from us, our lives would end, the, the, the universe would end. He is right now sustaining all things, holding all things together, the book of Hebrews says. And yet, as powerful as He is, even though He is the Creator, He, he also... We also know that He's merciful, right, and kind, and good, and loving, and, and forgiving, and wants, to us, and wants us to think of Him not just as an all-powerful God, but to truly think of Him as a, a good, loving Father that I can talk to. I, I, can, I can have a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus. And because of all those reasons and many more, we are to worship God, but, but not in a DIY sense of, I did it, I checked it off but in a DIY sense of I'm, I'm bringing my whole self into the presence of God. I, 
I'm worshiping worshiping God with my whole heart. This has been a problem throughout all of history, is that people have a tendency to worship God on the outside, but not really bring their, their, their whole selves before God. Not bring their whole heart. We've, we've referenced the, the, the prophet Isaiah uh, once or twice in this series. He's writing the words of God in Isaiah chapter 29. And he writes, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules. They have been, been taught. Translation in our language, they're just going through the motions. Now, now, these were people who would say, we believe in God, uh, we, we are God's people, we've come to worship God, but God looked at their worship and said, yeah, they're going through the motions. I mean, they're doing all the things, they're singing the songs, and the songs they're singing are great, and the words they're saying are actually true, and the lyrics they're singing are really accurate, but like their heart's not attached to this expression. They stand, they sit. Maybe they bow, maybe they clap, maybe they raise their hands. They, they check off all the, the worship items, but their heart isn't connected. And, and so we realize that it is possible to look on the outside like we're worshiping God and not be worshiping God at all. Our heart, our mind, our being can be far from what we're outwardly expressing. It's, it's possible to go to a worship service and not worship. To hear the songs, to listen to the instructions, and not actually worship. Not actually be engaged with what God is saying to us, what God is doing in us, how God is speaking to us. This was such a problem that not only does it show up in the Old Testament... Jesus quotes this same verse in the New Testament. When he's alive here, fulfilling his ministry, he sees the exact same thing. In Mark chapter 7, we read Jesus speaking, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So both cases, Old Testament, New Testament, and and we could probably say today, people can come and keep all the rules and go through the motions and stand and sit and do all the things and yet yet not actually be engaged in worship. And and maybe, maybe we have a sentimental attachment to going to church. Or maybe we have a sentimental attachment to that song or to that place or, or to those people, but it's not worship from my heart. I, I, I'm simply checking off the box. Here, here's the truth of worship. The outward response of worship, and we're going to talk later, there should be an outward response. The outward response of worship should be motivated by the heart. It should be my love for God that is spilling over into outward action and outward responses. It should start with my affection for Jesus, my affection for God the Father, and not just be something I do. The worship leaders in the book of Psalms 
repeated this idea over and over again. Here are a couple of examples. Psalm 138. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, little g, before the gods, I will sing your praise. I'm going to come into your presence. I'm I'm going to worship you, and it's going to come from deep inside of me. My affection for you is going to spill out from deep within, and I'm going to praise you to all of those things that are trying to become first in my life. That's what other gods mean, other idols. There are other things that are trying to be first in my life, that are trying to get my attention, that are trying to get my priority, that's pulling my affection towards them. I'm going to praise you as a defense against all of those other things that want to be first in my life. Another example, Psalm 86, 12. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Psalm 119.58, I have sought your face with all my heart. So over and over again, the worship leaders of the Bible say, don't come to God, don't don't step into worship half-hearted, halfway, distant, your mind, your, your emotions off somewhere else. Step into God's presence with all your heart. There's a fairly well-known phrase. Uh, It's actually attributed to a missionary by the name of Jim Elliott. He wrote in his journal one time, wherever you are, be all there. And then he went on to write, live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Most people know that first part, wherever you are, be all there. When it comes to worship, the worship leaders of the Psalms were saying, when you come to worship, be all there. Let your mind be there. Let your emotions be there. Let your priorities, let your affections be there. Wherever you are, be all there. When you come into worship, be all there. Other psalmists say things like, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his presence. In other words, your whole being needs to step into the presence of God. Don't be half Hearted. Now, that's a pretty good question when we come to worship each week. To ask ourselves at the front end of worship, am I all here? Am I really all here? Matter of fact, you could look back over the last 30 minutes. We've been in here about 30 minutes. And you could evaluate yourself. I'm not going to evaluate you. Don't evaluate anybody else. But you could evaluate my, yourself. Have I been all here, really? Like, have my thoughts all been here? Has my heart all been here, we're singing, was I all there? Wherever you are, be all here. And when it comes to worship, be all here, fully present, fully engaged. Oh. How, do I, how do I come before the Lord with all of my heart? There's probably a lot of suggestions. I'm just going to give you two. The first one, first way that we, we come into God's presence with our whole heart is by entering in with an attitude of humility. An attitude of knowing how great God is and how far below God I am. That God is above. That I'm entering into His presence, recognizing His greatness, which means that you and I can't believe that this is primarily about us. Right? Now, we get a lot of good things out of this. We get a lot of good things out of worship. We're encouraged. Our spirits are lifted. God speaks to us. 
God uses worship to do great things in us, but first and foremost, worship is not about us. Worship is about Him because He's greater than, He's above all things. Uh, We mentioned Isaiah chapter 6 last Sunday. Isaiah, if you weren't here, Isaiah has this vision of heaven and he sees God seated on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe fills the temple. The doorpost shakes. Smoke fills the temple. It's this incredible vision of who God is and what he's like. And Isaiah's response is, woe is me, I cried, I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty. Isaiah doesn't enter into worship. He doesn't see God and walk away thinking, man, I must be awesome that God let me be a part of that. I must be the greatest person ever that I actually got to do. Nobody else got to do that but me. I must be pretty special. That wasn't Isaiah's response. When he saw God, he saw his own sin. His own need to confess, his own need to get right. And and God immediately reminds Isaiah, if you keep reading in that passage, God immediately reminds Isaiah that he's forgiven, that his sins have been atoned for, that yes, you can come into God's presence. But his response was not to think more of himself. His response was to think more of God. Here's the thing. If you and I walk away from worship, thinking about how great we are, then we probably haven't worshipped God with our whole heart. And we probably haven't stepped into His presence. If we can leave the room and think that we're awesome, think that we're great, when we leave the room after being in the presence of God, our thoughts should be how, how awesome God is, how great God is, how worthy God is of our worship and, and our response to Him from our heart. Second thing, Humility, and then secondly, our affection, our heart, our emotions have to be set on Jesus. We just need to check, not only am I all here, but I'm setting my thoughts, I'm setting my affections all on Jesus. Not not on me, not on what I need, even though you and I get great stuff, right? Good things happen when we worship. Not, not even on what I, I prefer. All of us have, uh, when it comes to anything, we all have preferences, right? We, we, all have, we all have opinions. It's called being a human. We all have things we like and things we don't like as much. And sometimes we bring that with us into worship. Like, this is what I prefer. I want you to do it this way. I, I want you to appeal to the things that I like. And again, it's part of being human to have preferences, to have, to have opinions. Most of us tend to gravitate toward churches that do more of what we prefer and less of what we don't prefer. And again, that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I think it's called being human. But when Isaiah experiences the presence of God, I don't think it ever entered Isaiah's mind to go, "Eh, I didn't really like the song they were singing. Like that holy, holy thing that's kind of worn out. Can we do something updated? Can we do something that's older? Can we do something faster? Can we do something slower? No, he, he came with humility. His heart and affection were on God He wasn't there to critique everything that happened in the service or everything that happened in his experience 
because his affection was on God. Now, over the last 20 or 30 years, there's been a renewed emphasis on worship, and it's been very beneficial for the church. Uh, It's been great for, for followers of Jesus. Groups like Passion and, and Hillsong and other groups like that, they, they've really brought worship to the forefront again for God's people. And a lot of you listen to their music in your car and other worship leaders. We have access to so, so much worship music right now. And that has been such a benefit to the church as, as people are reminded of the priority of worship. I, I want to I give a caution though. I want to give a, a caution, and that is we, we aren't supposed to love worship. We're supposed to love Jesus. We're supposed to worship Jesus because we love Jesus. And sometimes our affections get a little skewed, and, and we love the idea of worship and being together and hearing everybody sing and that's a great moment, and that's a great experience. It's just that we don't worship that experience. The person we worship is Jesus, and that experience is to help us focus on Him and to glorify Him and to lift Him up. Another way of saying it, we can fall in love with, we can become focused on the content of worship instead of the object of worship. I like it when we do this, this, and that. I like it when we sing this. Again, it's okay to have preferences. We all have them. It's okay to have opinions. We all have opinions. Unless the particular content of worship becomes more important to me than the object of my worship, who is Jesus. Uh, Another thought. We aren't supposed to worship music. We're supposed to love Jesus and worship Him with music. We aren't supposed to worship music. We're supposed to love Jesus and use music as a tool to worship Him. Or, we aren't supposed to worship feelings and emotions. We respond with emotions because we love Jesus. But wanting to create an experience desiring to feel certain things as my priority is not worship. Unless it's worshiping me and my feelings. We don't worship experience. We don't worship feelings. We don't worship emotions. We, we love and worship Jesus. And our emotions can't help to, but respond when we do that. Our emotions will come out. Our emotions will participate when we keep Jesus First, another thought. We aren't supposed to love attention. We're supposed to love Jesus and give the attention to Him. We aren't supposed to love attention. In other words, when I respond in worship, and this, this is a perspective, there may be nothing wrong with the particular response that I'm giving It may be biblical, it may be accurate, it it may be right to respond that way unless I'm responding that way to try to say to everybody else, look how good of a worshiper I am. Look at how spiritual I am because I do this, 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 and this. There's like this subtle line somewhere in there if, if we're not careful that yes, the Bible commands our response to God, but I don't love the response. I love Jesus, and I can't help but respond to Him. 
I don't love the feelings. I love Jesus, and my feelings respond because I'm in love with Jesus. And we have to monitor that in our hearts. Um, That doesn't mean that we shouldn't respond. That doesn't mean that there shouldn't be an outward response to the greatness of God. Because there should be. There should be engagement from you and from me when we come to worship God. Now, that engagement, the the Bible says there's lots of ways to engage. There's lots of ways to respond in worship. And we don't all have to respond the same way. That's the great thing. We don't all have to respond the same way every Sunday. We don't all have to feel comfortable responding the same way. But the Bible says, the more I'm in love with Jesus, the more I'm going to find ways to respond to Him. The the more my body is going to cooperate, the more my emotions are going to move in His direction. Now, typically, in, in, in church, in the time that we live in, the part of the world that we live in, worship many times can be confined to, worship response can be refined to listening with my ears and speaking or singing with my mouth. Much of our worship becomes me listening, me singing, or praying, or speaking. But but the Bible is full of examples of ways to use other senses, ways to use my body to respond. Not just listening, not just singing, but that my whole self would respond to God. And, And what we've been trying to say in this DIY themed series is don't, don't sit worship out. Don't leave it to somebody else. Yes, let it come from your heart. Let it be a genuine response to God. But don't hold back if God's moving you to respond. A couple of things the Bible says are okay. The Bible says it's okay to clap. The Psalms are full of it. It's okay to use your hands to make noise and to praise God that way. Somehow God feels honored when we clap as a way to praise Him. And not just as a way to praise Him. You you may have noticed um, a lot of times we'll clap at the end of one of the songs, one of the worship songs. Our church often responds uh, after one of the songs. Nobody tells you to. You just, you respond by clapping. and, And hopefully there's an understanding that that clap is not meant for how well the band did. All right, this is not America's Got Talent. Uh, it's not American Idol. The, the clap is not meant for, oh, the guitar did, good, did a good job. Right? Zach, you sang well. Right? The singer sounded really good. It's, it's not, yay, band. Hopefully it means one of two things. Hopefully it means, at the end of that, I'm not done expressing praise to God, and so I'm going to follow it up by clapping because I want to keep praising God even though the song is over. Or it means, yeah, I agree with everything we just sang. Like that has happened in my life. I've seen God do that in my life. I absolutely agree with that. We, we, we started the service with the, the song based on the story of Lazarus, You Came. Like I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure you were going to show up. And that was the whole scene with Lazarus, the family. No one was sure that Jesus could do anything, but you came, right? Like, and, and, I mean, if you're very old and you walk with Jesus for very long, there have been moments when you weren't sure he was coming and then he came. 
Right, so we get to the end of that song, and how can you not go, yes, that's me, that's me, that has happened to me. I'm so glad we sang that because that is exactly my life. The, Bible's, the Bible says that's okay, right? The Bible says that is allowed. No, another thing with our hands, the Bible says it's okay to lift our hands. Sometimes the Bible says lift holy hands before the Lord. And it's not a checklist. It's not, okay, Pastor, I got to clap. I got to raise my hand. I got to hop on one foot. It's not like a checklist where I got to do all of these. No, I'm just saying, if your love of Jesus moves you to respond in one of these ways, the Bible says it's perfectly legitimate. It's okay to let your body know that something's happening in your heart. And the Bible says you can lift your hands if you want to. As a sign of surrender, right? International sign for surrender. Right here, God, I'm surrendered to you. You are king. I'm your servant. I'm listening to you. I'm surrendered to you. Some people, when they sing, they hold their hands out like this just as a sign of, God, I'm receive, I want to receive what you have for me today. I, I receive the message of that song or, or what the pastor said. I received it because it's so true in my life. I needed to hear that. The Bible says okay to do that. The Bible says it's okay to shout. Might scare somebody. Like, Bible says, okay. Like, shout to the Lord. That is okay. The Bible says it's okay to, to kneel at times. The sign of our reverence for God is a, as a sign that, that he, is, he is great, and we are below Him, and we are under Him, and we are yielded to His leadership. The Bible says, okay, be, it would be just fine if you did that. The Bible uses the word dance, right? It's okay to move your body, not to be a distraction, not to be chaotic, not, not to seek attention, not for any of those reasons. But, but the Bible says sometimes, like, if you're worshiping God with your whole heart, you can't just stand there. Like, your body's going to respond because you are in love with God. And yeah, it needs to start on the inside. It can't be faked. It can't be, it's my checklist, or I'm trying to prove to everybody that I'm really spiritual. But when we worship God with our whole heart, our heart's going to spill out to the rest of our bodies sometimes. And we're going to have to respond and honor God. We're so fortunate because week after week, we, we get to be led by such a, a humble and spiritual leader uh, somebody who prays about what we're going to do on Sunday, somebody who seeks the Lord, somebody who studies His Word, and somebody who comes to, to serve you and help put your attention on, on God. Zach, Zach Orr does this every single week, and as we were preparing for this series, I told him, I, I think our people need to hear from you because you're so much a part of the worship life of our church. I think they need to hear your heart and, and us kind of dialogue a little bit about worship. So would you welcome Zach Orr? Yeah. I forgot again. Sorry. <laughs> Zach, I'm glad that you're here because uh, Me too. I couldn't lead worship this morning if you hadn't shown up. So glad that you came today and glad that you're part of our church. Zach's been with us uh, six months, uh, eight months, yeah. something like that. And just, I want to say, I didn't say this in the first service, but just want to say how much you mean to me and how much you've meant to our church and how grateful I am as the pastor that I know every week you're praying, you're seeking God, 
and you're following him as you put together the worship service. You're not just kind of picking out songs, um, but you're praying through what we're talking about and where we're headed. So I thought it'd be good for our people to hear from you, not just me about this topic of worship. The things that are important to you, the, the things that you want us to know about how you lead and, and, and why you do the things that you do, kind of what's your, what's your approach to worship? What are your thoughts on worship? Um, well, so for a weekend, what I try and do is choose songs that, one, support your message so that we're all leaving with the same train of thought, the same terminology, and then um, also providing songs that help us express our love for God, that give us words that we may not have thought of on our own um, and connect that music with our emotion to be able to, to really love God. Um, my philosophy of worship has changed a lot since I've been leading worship, which I've been doing for um, over 10 years now because I started when I was a teenager. And when I started, I thought if everyone wasn't singing along and didn't have their hands in the air that I, I wasn't doing my job right or something. And I've matured a lot in that. I've realized, um, well, for instance, we, Nicole uh, and I have an almost, in a few days, she'll be 11 months old. And so at the house, if I'm holding her and we're looking out the window and I can point at a bird and say, there's a bird, but she is not looking at that bird. She's <laughs> looking at my hand. <laughs> and a lot of times that it can be how we focus. Yeah. We, we're looking at the lights. We're looking at the music. We're focused on the, um, the expressions, lifting our hands, singing, bowing down, whatever. We're so focused on the hand that we don't see the bird. Mm. And uh, that's how my philosophy of worship started. And thankfully, God's grown me to be able to see him, to see the bird. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, as you're thinking about us coming together on Sunday mornings, we talked about entering in with our with our whole heart, with our whole self. Uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, how, how do we enter with our whole self, and how do we worship from our heart? To me, it starts at home. Um, our public worship seldom, if ever, exceeds our private worship. And so if we're not using Sunday as a catalyst rather than um, our complete meal, mm. then it's really, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, we need to come prepared. We need to come ready, full, already. Um, dwelling upon what God has done in our life, what he's currently doing, the things that he's brought us out of. Um, and that will, will spawn worship. That will lead us to worship. Yeah, I don't want to get too far into this because we're going to talk about it a little bit next week. But we don't always come happy. Right? We don't always come full of joy, and, and so that's not what we're saying. That's not what I was trying to say. That's not what Zach's trying to say. Sometimes entering into, wor into worship is just coming authentically, even with brokenness, even, even with hurt, mm -hmm. and, and being willing to step into God's presence in spite of that. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned Isaiah 6, and he has this vision, uh, but the setting for that vision, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Um, it, he was in a, a time of turmoil, uh, one of the best kings that Israel ever had, one of the most spiritual kings that Israel ever had. 
the year that he dies is when Isaiah has um, that vision. For McCole and me, last Wednesday night we opened with two songs for the night of worship, God I Look to You and It Is Well. And um, <laughs> You did it again. I know, I did it again. Uh, the, I almost couldn't make it through the songs because I'm thinking about our daughter because we wanted her for years before God gave her to us. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, to be able to sing, God, I look to you, you're where my hope comes from. Or, uh, you know. Yeah, it is well with my soul. It is soul. well with my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Yeah. Um, it's a powerful thing. And, and I like the thought that you mentioned that, that corporate worship, the music that we use, gives us language that most of us would not create on our own. Most of us aren't songwriters. If you are, great. Um, but most of talk. us aren't songwriters. Yeah. Um, but they give voice, they give language to things that we all feel and we all experience and, and in that way help us to communicate our worship to God. Mm -hmm. So, Thanks. Thank you. Would you say thanks to Zach one more time? You know, in this series, when you talk about something as ancient as, as worship, there's not a new thing to come up with. And there's not a new twist. There's not a, hey, we've never heard this before. But hopefully, it's a reminder and an invitation to not sit back when we're entering into God's presence. To, to not get so focused on who's next to you and who's behind you and who's around you and what others may think that you don't express what's on your heart to God because He's listening. Right? He's, he's here. He's present. You, our worship, corporately and individually, matters to Him. What you came in with and your ability to worship Him through whatever you came in with, the good or the struggles or the tragedy, He sees that and knows that. And it honors Him that we would worship with all of our heart. And sometimes that's all of our joy and sometimes... That's all of our struggles, too, and all of our questions, and all of the things we haven't quite got figured out, just lifting them up to Him, to worship God with all of our being, all of our heart. God, thank You that You don't let us get by with surface-level worship. Thank You that in the Old Testament, and again, Jesus in the New Testament, just called out people who were going through the motions. And if we were honest, some of us would say, we've, we've been going through the motions today. Just came, stand, sit. Thank you that you don't let us get away with that. And so into all of our hearts, just put your finger, prick our hearts a little bit to say, come on. Enter in. Come on. Your whole self, your whole being, with all your heart. Just to stop being worried about the people around you or what others think. Enter. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.